And welcome back. This is the Dice Are Screaming. Thanks for joining us again. <laughs> I'm Randy, and this is Michael Hanna uh, at your service. Uh, today, we're actually going to talk about atmosphere in gaming, both uh, you know for the players and you know for the DM. Uh, things that you can use in your game to enhance the experience and to make it just a little bit more memorable. Uh, and it's really up to anybody out there who's looking forward to DMing or trying their hand at it. Uh, pick and choose. Take the tools that you feel comfortable with. Uh, there is a whole toolbox of ideas that can be made use of to enhance the atmosphere at a game. Uh, and I, I think we're going to just start with the running through the five senses, which... Uh, you know, sight, sound, touch. Uh, these are, you know, just the, the basics of being a human being. But in game terms, you can take advantage of the fact that uh, people can be, how do I put it, they can be stimulated and engaged uh, if you're appealing to those senses. Um, yeah, gaming is a lot of times very passive for the players. Normally, players just sit around and listen to the Game Master, Dungeon Master, narrate through text and prepared messages uh, that are already set out in the adventure. And a lot of times they react to what you say, but sometimes having visual cues, like pictures and things like that, obviously help. You, know, you can show people what the monster looks like and all that. And those are the basic things you don't really need any prep work to do with. You know, you can just look up the monster manual or give an ad hoc description off of what you interpret the monster room to look like. But what we're going to cover here, too, as Mike just covered so well, and I'm walking back over, is talking about things that are already out there. Now, for instance, like Serenescape provides a lovely uh, app on your smartphone or laptop that you can play uh, sounds through. It has a soundboard and also background music that are keyed for some adventures. Now, there is a subscription fee for it monthly, but it's pretty negotiable for what you get, and they're constantly updating and improving their site. They just got Dungeons & Dragons 5e stuff, and they've had Paizo for a long time, and they also have Starfinder 2. So there's a variety of things that can be used for no matter what game you play. I'm actually pretty excited about that myself, because uh, just the fact that there is a terrific tool out there, low-cost, that is accessible via smartphone. Uh, that puts it right in any, you know, current DM's hands. Uh, on, on site, anywhere you go, easily transportable to game. Uh, because honestly, back in the day, uh, we lugged around DB, you know, uh, CD players and, uh, cassette you know, tapes. Boom boxes for cassette tapes. Uh, we've, we've done a lot of different things to add, you know, sound effects and or mood music, which let's, you know, pause for just one moment and both nod with respect to the Conan soundtrack, yeah, which has so often been played in some of our games. Yeah, Basil Pulpulgaris, uh, masterwork on that one, but it's always good. A lot of movie soundtracks, too, work. Lord of the Rings, even Harry Potter. Sure. Um, you know, they all work uh, for good background. So let's break it up into the five senses. So the easiest one, of course, is you're listening. So hearing, having mood music appropriate, oddly queued up. It used to be on cassette tapes, but now you can just 
simply tap away on your smartphone or laptop and get it right up for yeah. combat. It sets the mood for mystery and exploration, mysterious dungeon, or a great library going through and finding clues. These can all help set the tone for your adventure, and that's what it's really about. Uh, then, of course, there's the sound effects per, you know, Serenescape. Um, you know, the rattling chains or, you know, wind whistling through a cavern. You know, the sound effects are terrific, too. Uh, keeping with the five senses theme. Uh, there is smell, which... <laughs> don't bother with the neo Odiug scratch and sniff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, nobody nobody wants orc midden heap, uh, you know, more than once. If they've had the experience, they're, they're done with it. But... Uh, you know, an occasional candle with the right scent uh, can seem just a little bit more mysterious. Something yeah. that uh, if you have a scentsy burner, uh, there are some people who make their own scentsy can uh, block incense blocks. You can burn in those, and also, of course, there's adventure scents, which make a wide variety of things, even like a gas trap or a dungeon. Yeah. And as Mike just said, yeah, go sparingly on the orc layer. You don't need to smell that more than once. Um, but there's a wide variety of things, and again, it's up to your commitment level and your investiture, what you want to do. But there's always things that you can set for smell, because smell is a very intense trigger for a lot of people. It can bring uh, a key, an encounter to life, to their memories. Like uh, just even having the smell of old books when you're going through a library and some kind of uh, just having an old book around and having you know that out helps that, as well as having a visual cue. And we would be remiss if we didn't talk about miniatures, too. But uh, we'll oh, cover yes. that in a lot more detail. There's a lovely assortment of maps from Paizo, the Game Mastery line, and, of course, other third-party publishers make an uh, assortment of uh, overlays that you can put. But uh, we'll talk about that in another episode. Now, um, sight. There are tricks you can do dimming the lighting at key moments. I don't recommend it for the entire game, because obviously this is a game that is heavily book-based, and you really want to be on point uh, as far as being able to read your character sheets and determine what those dice just did. Uh, so reserve that one for key moments where the DM's narrative, you want everybody focused on you. Maybe dim the lights to the room, and then uh, only have an underlight right beneath your face as the DM. Uh, so that you have this sinister appearance as you're reading that text. Uh, that That is a nice treat. It is uh, worth it for those special occasions when you're about to get into a critical fight, or you're meeting the ultimate bad guy, the, the boss fight, for the first time, and you hopefully your players indulge the DM and let them do a little, you know, uh, extemporizing and speech beforehand, because... Uh, nothing wounds a DM's spirit like uh, getting set to do the final boss fight speech and, you know, you, you start off with the, at last you penetrate him up. We shoot him with our crossbow. Damn it, dude. I'm doing a thing here. Uh, <laughs> well, guilty as charged, but at the same time, you know, you don't let the son of a bitch get a drop on you. So, you know, we would also have to go back and revisit... Uh, in the five senses, I want to go back to sound. Now, your voice. Your voice is your main tool. Now, not only your voice in your choice of 
your grammar and your grasp of like the English language and obscure words because they add a lot of authenticity. And we'll cover that in just a second, but one thing is using your voice. Now, being able to project your voice is a powerful thing. Some people can do it, some people cannot. And don't fret if you can't, just do the best you can. Yeah. But also posture, like when you play a villainous dragon, leaning forward, gathering yourself up and speaking deeply and assuredly as with supreme confidence helps carry a certain gravitas into that encounter, especially with certain NPCs. And a dragon is definitely a noteworthy encounter where they want to talk to them. Uh, Before shooting in the face. And then <laughs> grammar. Uh, this, I'm going to hand this off to Mike because he is the grammarian. <laughs> Mike, the grammarian. Oh, um, yeah. Word knowledge is your friend. Uh, you know, one thing, it's not enough to just know the words. It's also enough to know how to... It's also important to know how to say them. It's, it's incredibly difficult to find correct pronunciations for words that have fallen out of use uh, in the English language, like abstemious, you know, or uh, yeah, nubile, you know, just, you look at them on a page, and if you haven't already heard them spoken aloud, they can be challenging. Uh, there are online assistances for this. You can find, uh, you know, see it, say it, uh, thesaurus-style help online that will you know, actually say a word for you as it's supposed to be pronounced. So definitely hunt for that, you know, give it a search uh, if you're not sure how to use a word. But using language as a tool to excite players is probably best done by introducing words they, they may not have heard a lot uh, but if you start to sound like you cracked open the, the, the actual thesaurus the entire time, uh, it is going to kind of wear people down a little bit. Thesaurus, uh, don't they have ten hit dice? Yeah, I think I encountered one of those in that last dungeon. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, but voicing is an incredibly tricky thing. Not everybody who DMs is blessed with a voice that is really flexible. But you can learn a few tricks, and if it's just speaking with a gravelly voice, uh, practice on your own, don't be ashamed, uh, get the hang of it and the feel for it before you hit the table. Uh, example being, uh, you've got an NPC who's going to be delivering an adventure hook, and it's the, uh, the merchant with the broken wagon wheel outside of town, uh, you know, just... Go for your best Clint Eastwood. What is it? What are you looking at? I'm trying to fix a wheel here. Uh, it doesn't take that much to do that. Uh, if you do have a voice that is really flexible, uh, then go ahead, push it to its limits, uh, try accents that uh, you know are not uh, condescending, uh, total comedic uh, mockeries of... Uh, other accents. Uh, nice safe one, of course, is the Scotsman. Oh, yeah. Very popular. If you're, if you've got a, you know, Ootsman! <laughs> Griswold. <laughs> from Diablo. Perfect blacksmith. Every blacksmith must be a Scotsman, I guess. 
Oh, the bannock said butter. Uh, it doesn't hurt a thing uh, to throw in a little something like that. Uh, sounding quavery if they're talking to someone who is like an elderly sage. The, the little... Oh, well, I seem to recall that once upon a time I saw a scroll with that on it. Uh, you know, that's a nice one. Uh, and, you know, very challenging, of course, is trying to sound like a woman, which, uh, not the easiest thing if you're a male BM. Or, you know, trying to sound aggressively manly if you're a female BM. Uh, getting something that difficult, sometimes just give it a pass. Uh, yeah, just outside. use your best, you know, sometimes just soft tones. Or in your mannerisms. Now, we, of course, this is just a podcast, so you can't really see us, but how you present yourself, standing tall when you're being a more assured character in your seat, or raising yourself up when you're a stoic wizard, speaking with solemnity and intelligence, and maybe a little condescending attitude when you look down at players addressing you. These are all visual cues. Yeah, lifting your chin up to indicate that you're a nobility who is above them, uh, or, you know, leaning in close and looking them right in the eye if you're trying to be conspiratorial, like they're whispering in a dark alley with a rogue they just paid for information. Uh, you know, those are all little tiny visual and audio cues that you can use to entice players into a sense of being right there at that moment. And also it sets, they automatically know who they're talking to, especially if it's a recurring NPC. You know, True. It's very some very good tool to use, so they know when you speak in that voice who they're addressing to without having. Oh, it's Crazy Fahar, the ever-present merchant who sells questionable goods for questionable prices. I have several hundred used spears, very cheap, only been dropped once. Mm. Also, very good rope, only been on one adventure, one previous owner, and don't worry. It wasn't the rope's fault that he didn't make it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so those are all things you can use. And most of all, have fun. If you feel like it's beyond you, then don't sweat it. It's what you do with the game and your confidence that flows that will grow with you being a dungeon master. And most importantly, never forget that it is you who are portraying the world. So preparation. Knowing the descriptions and dimensions of the room and also having a mental picture that you can articulate quickly and efficiently to your players helps them quickly get into the game and avoids disruptions. The less disruption you have. So sometimes if you're using all these things that we talked about and it's disrupting your game, well, you know, sometimes just expediency and keeping in the mood is more important than trying to be all things at all times. Yeah. Going back to the site, I just one thing I wanted to cover was Sometimes a candlelight, like for Call of Cthulhu, or oh, a deep mystery, yeah. can, playing by candlelight all for just one game, can be unique, but you don't want to do it all the time, because then it just becomes old hat. Uh, sometimes when I used to play Vampire, they would turn the lights off during well, to simulate nighttime, and we'd light the candles, and then other times we'd extinguish the candles to simulate daytime. Those are things that are visual cues that help you get in the game, but again, overuse of any one thing can lead... To it becoming rote and a little contrite. Yeah, a little advanced prep for DMs never hurt anybody. You know, go to a game with 
uh, some time spent in advance reading the text so you know what you're going to wind up being reading, you know, aloud to people. You, you don't want to be caught off guard uh, midway through a sentence by a word you don't know and don't have a definition for. Uh, so definitely read your homework first. But once you have, once you've got a little prep in, kick back, relax, have a good game, enjoy, laugh with your friends. Yeah, and we also, the other two senses we didn't cover is taste and touch. And these are a lot more esoteric. Now, I have heard that sometimes when you're sticking your, when players would look inside the guts of a creature that would have a bowl of cold spaghetti with a little fries <laughs> in the center, feeling around that, that can be a great gag, but it's kind of hard to pull off all the time, especially when you're having to travel. Or, or having a unmarked clear bottle of soda. Uh that you bring out uh, or have prepared in advance for parties that don't have an identify spell and are about to test that potion. Um, you know, that that's a cute gag, but, you know, I mean, it wears a little thin if you drag that one out every single time. Yeah, but all these things can spice it up. So just like spice, you know, overuse of one thing can make it inedible. But, you know, a little bit goes a long way with those. So we did touch the five senses. Okay. We went with sight and, of course, sound, and, of course, touch and taste and smell. So. Oh, and occasional props. I, I don't think a game would be diminished by the use of occasional additional mm -hmm. props, like uh, getting uh, old-style paper at a local craft mall or shop and, you know, doing a hand-drawn map. Yeah, uh, or having an old book out in the center when they're going through a library. And if you really want to, uh, you know, be a smarty, high-handed smarty pants, uh, you know, burn the edges of it, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, and have a few words missing with little holes burnt in it. Of yeah. course, if you're playing with fire for game prep, uh, as always, exercise caution, and please don't do this near anything flammable that uh, be on the paper. Yeah, and also that goes with candles, too. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, well, that is pretty much going to do it for... That session, I think, this is one we're going to put in the can. Um, again, thank you for putting up with us. And keep listening and hit that like, pause button. We're expanding, so thank you, the listeners, for making us even more popular. Now we're going to be uh, putting our Facebook page up this week, so more information on that on our next one. So keep tuned for those. And, of course, you can always find us on Twitter at Death Hand Gaming. That's D-E-T-H-A-N-D -E Gaming. And Vox Magi at Magi Vox on Twitter. You guys take care and may the dice always roll in your favor. Alright. See ya! Oh, the dude, there's so much. I mean